Hello and welcome to Better Words. My name is Caitlin and I blog at Just a Bookish Bay. And I actually have two people sitting with me today. Michelle, you go first. <laughs> Hi guys, it's Michelle. I blog at the Unfinished Bookshelf. And today, Caitlin and I are just so excited to welcome a special, special guest because she's here in person, which is so exciting. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Shuffle my notes. I hope that's um, sounds okay. We're usually more organised than this. So our guest today is a writer, producer and presenter. Her debut novel, Girl in Between, was shortlisted for the 2016 Vogels Award. She's worked with Channel 10 on the project, um, one of her many jobs, and has produced stories which are both heartwarming and funny. She also grew up in Rockhampton, which is where we're recording this very podcast, and so we're so stoked you could join us for this very special episode. Welcome, Anna Daniel. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> what a wonderful intro. And how fabulous to be with you, gorgeous girls. It's really oh, exciting that we can actually have someone join. Yeah. So um, we're not going to do an interview like we usually would. Anna's just going to join in the chat today. Um, but if you would like to know a bit more about Anna, um, there is a, a piece that my colleague and friend, Pam Mackay, wrote a little while ago, um, a really great piece with Anna there. I'm going to link that on the website so you can find out a bit more about her and her background and her work. So, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, what have you guys been up to? Okay. <laughs> um, so, as obviously, we always talk about sort of what we've been reading and what mm. we've been watching. Yeah. And I completely binge watched The Ranch on Netflix in like the past couple of days. I've never even heard of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> tell us about The Ranch. Yeah. Okay. So I actually just finished watching, I don't really know if it's like the third season, because they say like part one, part two, part three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. But it is um, about this family who run a ranch in... Oh, God knows where. I don't even know exactly where they live, but America. I mean, Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm in Texas. I'm in Midwest. I yeah, know, that's where all the ranches are. Yeah. I'm yeah. there, but I'm not even sure. Although now you're saying it, I think I remember Texas. But I completely <laughs> blanked just then. Yeah. But yes, it's actually the. So it's like the family and, um, you know, mum, dad, or whatever, and then two grown sons. And the two grown sons are Ashton Kutcher and Denny Masterson, who mm-hmm. were on that 70s show together. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's very, very funny. So it's a comedy. Yes, right. it's really funny. Okay. I love yeah. comedies. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> putting that one down. Okay? <laughs> well, I hope you like it. I yeah. think it's really, I, I just think it's so funny. And it's one of those, you know, family, like everyone's family. And obviously bingeable. Like, yeah. how many days have you taken to watch it? Oh, over the past year or something, mm-hmm. they've yeah. released three lots oh. of episodes at a time. But you've just done the latest season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have had no time for watching oh, The Ranch or any other series recently because I've been flying all around the country doing book signings and I was recently in Sydney meeting with production companies because my sort of greatest hope at the moment is that I, um, I'd love for a production company to want to take an option out on my book, Girl in Between. Mm. So I think I've got all the right people ready and so um, I've got my fingers crossed. Uh, that you know, maybe we can get a rom com set in Rocky being filmed here. That know? would be amazing. That would be fantastic. You know, I can we have cameos? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should. I think we should all. I think we need a young reporter in there. A young reporter. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or else we just all be hanging out, don't you reckon? And yeah. um, bits and pizzas yeah. at the local coffee shop having a <laughs> yes. You know, either way, 
we're, we're going to be cast. Yeah. Somehow yeah. we'll get cast. But yes, Tuggy Wood. That's sort of what I've been up to. Actually, that would be amazing. This is Caitlin and I, one of our favourite, well, I'm going to say our favourite thing that we watched this year is The Wrong Girls. Oh, yes. Because um, I love Jess Murray. I, I love Jess Murray. <laughs> yes. Um, and we just, that was so much fun to watch. So yeah. to have more of those kind of shows yeah. on TV, especially filmed in Rocky and then set in Rocky, is so cool. Well, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned the wrong girl because it <laughs> augurs well for Girl in Between in that. Zoe Foster Blake and I have both had our books made into audio books and the woman who narrated the wrong girl, her name is Amy Horn, and she narrated Girl in Between. Oh, and she's got a great sense of comic timing and I have to confess that I actually tried out for the part and didn't get it. <laughs> so, you know, but I sort of saw Amy's track record and I thought, you know what? You are the woman for the job. Mm. So, yeah, we do have a bit of a bit of an old link to the wrong girl. <laughs> that is very oh, cool. Be great. Yeah, that, that was very, very, fun. So very fun. Oh, gosh, I just put my phone on silent. <laughs> it just shows oh. that it's been recorded live. Yeah, it's all been very well. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to, sh- first of all, say a bit of an apology to Caitlin and a little bit of a PSA for other people. Um, that last night we were meant to go to something together and I had to bail just because I felt very overwhelmed with life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realised I'd forgotten to take my anxiety medication for maybe a few days, which is obviously not good. Don't do that. Didn't mean to do it. Um, but... When I realised I just had a lot of stuff going on, and Caitlin was very understanding, so I want to say thank you to Caitlin, oh, but also God. everybody else, if you're dealing with stuff like that, don't be afraid to ask for some time out. I just went to bed early. Mm-hmm. Didn't even watch The State of Origin, which is going to give away when we're recording this. <laughs> but, um, That's okay, I didn't watch it either. <laughs> but not for any reason. Usually I would, but it's like, mm-hmm. I, was, I was asleep. Um, but I just wanted to also... Thank you to everyone who's helping someone out who, or has someone in their life who has a mental health issue because you actually do a lot more than you think. And Caitlin, you've always been super supportive. And, yeah, and I also didn't feel like because I was going to teach you anyway. But, <laughs> but honestly, um, don't be afraid to take some time out because I had to admit to myself that I can't do everything. Um, and so, yeah, but I have had some really nice things happen this week um, and over the last few weeks that have kind of reaffirmed my faith in humanity, mm. <laughs> which being a journalist can sometimes be shaken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like the more you know about the world, the less, oh, just, mm. you want to be happy about things, but then you see all this stuff going mm. on and you can't ignore it, and that's really hard. But um, a couple of things have happened. So um, I love any Facebook group related to a podcast, and I've met some amazing people through the Lady Gang. Facebook page, so shout out to my Good Week girls who great support. Yeah. Um, but on the My Favourite Murder page a few weeks ago, um, someone said that they loved the podcast and they wanted to share it with their deaf sister, but there were no transcripts available. Oh. So um, within about 10 minutes, people had started signing up, because that group has over 50,000 people. Yeah. So they had started signing up to transcribe episodes. Wow. So that they could be shared, not just with her sister, but everyone who has a hearing impairment, which is why we're transcribing episodes as well, um, because it suddenly made me think, 
that, mm. you know, more people want to enjoy this stuff too. Absolutely. But it's just beautiful to see the community come together like that. And some stuff like that has happened in the Lady Gang as yeah. well. And I know, like, certainly the people that I've found in the Lady Gang and met up with in Sydney has been amazing. Um, <laughs> the second thing that happened was that my other favourite podcast, Chat 10 Looks 3, with Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb, they started a Facebook group. And within, like, it's been going a couple of days, and they're, like, are already, like, 3,000 members. And just, it's been so nice to have it out and my feed is full of other chatters um, and it's been so nice to finally um, be able to connect with these people because I, I just usually talk to my mum about it because I got her hooked so I could have someone to talk to about <laughs> it. Um, and I also feel like a bit of a fangirl that like Annabelle Crowd actually commented on my Post that I put up about how much I enjoy doing council budget. And then she was like, see, that's the only place I can do it. But I love doing a council budget. I was like, you guys will understand this. And Annabelle Craig, the Annabelle Craig, said she loved my enthusiasm. So I was like, oh my God. That is a great thing. Like. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I just, I, I love that they're in the group too and they're participating so much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the third thing that happened was a little bit closer to home. That was I got to write the most awesome story for a Monday, which was about a missing cat. So it sounds really bad, but um, this woman's cat went missing basically a year ago. And she was the most beautiful cat. She said he just loved her kids. He was so affectionate and cuddly. And he went missing. She found him and was like, oh, my gosh, I've got such a scare. I better book him in to get him microchipped. And then, like, the day before or a couple of days before he was meant to get microchipped, he vanished again. And this time she couldn't find him anywhere. She went to all the local animal aid groups, local pound, mm. everywhere she could think of. She put it on a Facebook group we have locally called mm. Cocoon Families. And they kept bumping up the post, kept saying, hey, I've seen this cat. I think this might be yours. She viewed over 20 cats that weren't hers. Mm. And then a few weeks ago, or a week ago, um, she gets this, she gets this notification that Rocky Pound has put up a new Facebook post, and she's like, "That is my cat." Oh wow! Yeah. So she rings him, but he's already been like, not necessarily adopted, but like taken by another animal aid group, and they couldn't tell her who or where. And she was like, "I just want to get in touch. Like, if another family has adopted him, I want to know that." They're going to love him as much as I did. And if they've fallen in love with him, there's nothing I can do. But I just need to know if he's safe. And so she put the call out again on this Facebook group and was like, anybody, can you help me? Can you find... And eventually they tracked down who had got the cat. And it was a um, Sunshine Coast-based animal aid group. So she rang this woman and was like, please, like, help me. And that person had, like, rescued a couple of different cats yeah. and sent through some pictures and her cat wasn't one of them. But she, she said to this woman, um, I've got this other cat at home that I haven't got any pictures of. I'll send you a video when I get home. And that was her cat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And so she was like, please, please, please don't let him be adopted by anyone. I will drive down tomorrow. She drove from, from Yipun to the Sunshine Coast. It's probably like a six-hour drive. Yeah. There's little kids in the car. And the soon as she walked in, she was like, that is my cat. Oh, it's so beautiful. And so please tell me she's now got her cat. Yes, she has. <laughs> yes, she has. And she sent me photos of when they were reunited. It's such a beautiful cat too. He's a Maine Coon cross 
having mm. sent Bludger. I'm going to mm. link the article in our show notes. <laughs> but, but when I very cute. when I put that, I put it back in the Ukraine family group and was like, hey guys, like just in case you didn't know, the, the and all the comments were like, I'm so glad that I could have helped by bumping up the post or so glad that you got your cat back. I'm so glad you're reunited. And it was just so beautiful. That is a lovely story. <laughs> it was really it was so beautiful. It was so great. So, yeah. Can I, can I share one more thing? Yes. <laughs> this is Caitlin's fault because she sent it to me in the middle of the day the other day. This is like the best news article ever. Caitlin knows me so well because she sent me something that combines my two loves, um, which is Paul McCartney and grammar. Um, so this is an article from Joe Hildebrand, um, and it's titled, World's Greatest Songwriter, which is, yes, he is, has the world's worst grammar. Controversial. <laughs> yes. No, this, is, this had me, like, love my death. I loved it so much. So I'm just going to read, like, a little snippet, and then I'll link the whole thing. But it says, everyone on the planet knows that Paul McCartney is the greatest songwriter of all time and the driving force behind the greatest band of all time, by which I'm obviously referring to Wings. <laughs> like, let's be honest, they are pretty good. Um, <laughs> if anyone who doesn't know what Wings is, that's called post-Beatles band, um, which I'm quite a fan of. But what has been swept under the carpet during his six-decade billion-dollar career is that he has absolutely terrible grammar. <laughs> so it goes on to um, very, in a very tongue-in-cheek way, analyse some of Paul's biggest grammatical errors in songs like, oh, this page is double-sided. I didn't realise. Love me, do. P.S. I love you. For no one. Martha, my dear. Jet and live and let die. So Joe um, has a very humorous take on all that, and I absolutely loved it. So thank you for sending that to me. Hey, you know me so well. I have to be completely honest. When I sent it to you, I wasn't quite sure if you were going to laugh or start defending him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's clearly, like, it's a really funny article. And yeah. 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 It's written from a place of love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know, because they're great songs. It just, you know, you fail your essay. So, yeah, no, it's just a really, really clever article and a really what have you What have you been reading? Anything? You've not been touring. Touring. Have you got um, anything that you've been able to read? I'm probably a bit slow off the mark with this one. I'm sure a lot of people listening have already gotten on board and probably finished the trilogy. But um, Elena Ferrante, my brilliant friend, have you girls come across these novels? No. <laughs> well, and it looks so cute. Well, yeah, it's an interesting cover, and I think this has been, you know, this is one of many different covers. But this woman here. Um, she was determined to remain anonymous for a long, long time. She was a journalist in Italy, and no one for a long time knew who she was, but she was writing these incredible novels, and this is the first one called My Brilliant Friend, and it's a story of two best friends just growing up um, in Naples in Italy, but it's, it's a simple story, and yet it's so captivating. And recently there was quite a controversy because someone outed who Elena Ferrante actually was, and she really wanted to write under a cloak of anonymity. So mm. it was everyone was really quite upset on her behalf that someone, that someone had done that to her and outed her her real identity. But these books, um, I think they've been really heavily marketed and bestsellers in Europe. Because mm-hmm. when I was in London recently last year, I went over to London and wrote the London, London chapters for my book, and I was um, uh, stalking around bookstores. 
course, and this book is just everywhere. Yeah. And so, um, yes, Alana Ferrante, my brilliant friend, the very first book in her trilogy is what I have been reading and loving. Well, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you will have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very captivated by the cover. Yeah. Like it's got...
bits and pieces, the coffee shop, <laughs> which I um, loved making up the name for. I also thought of a waxing parlour called Gone Bush, which was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's the title of this that, show. Uh, <laughs> Gone Bush. And, you know, cracking myself up writing these lines. So I wanted to, to capture regional Australia, but in a very sort of funny, comic, heightened, um, heartfelt, affectionate way, mm-hmm. so that anyone in Australia could read Girl in Between and, and think, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that. Yeah. I've been in a town yeah. like that. <laughs> and, and it's great because they're the reviews I've been getting. And I've also been getting reviews from people in Victoria, and some of them have said, I've not um, been to Queensland, let alone set foot in Rocky, but Girl in Between is making me want to go there. <laughs>
Kirsty Yeager's book, Summer Skin, which mm. is set in Brisbane, mm. the protagonist is from Rockhampton and she mentions, like, I think she mentions maybe the Heritage Hotel. Yeah. And just is like, oh, there's such a little thing. But it's so nice to be like, oh, look, someone gets me, like, we're represented on the yeah. page. And I think that's yeah. why we wanted to talk about this today because how many times did you read something growing up that actually yes, spoke to you? Yeah. yeah, because I think everything that I read growing up um, or it seems mostly everything, if it was set in Australia, was set in Melbourne or Sydney. Yeah, and even now... Not even a city, just like Melbourne, Melbourne or Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. And even now, like, as much as, I, I mean, we adore young Australian... Sorry, Australian young adults, um, most of it is still set in those cities. Yeah. Which yeah. is great, but it's it's really interesting then when you start to see the portrayals of... Mm. Um, of regional and rural areas yeah. and remote areas, which I see as being a couple of different mm. elements, because there's always different stereotypes, which go with that too. Like, yeah. What are some stereotypes you guys have noticed? Well, when thinking about this and thinking about what I sort of, you know, have read or watched or whatever that was set in a regional area in Australia, the first things I thought of was Brand New Day and the Sapphires. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, the Sapphires is mostly set in Vietnam. Yeah. Like, and Brand New Day technically is set in Perth. But then I realised both of those things are obviously, um, have like, all of their main characters and most of the cast are Aboriginal characters and they're about different aspects of that culture. Mm. And why is that the first thing? Because that's not the only people in this country who live in regional areas. And, like, it's brilliant that we have such great Indigenous stories and we're not, like, saying mm. anything bad oh, about that. Not. Like, we but, should have more. But, but, yeah, we really we should have but, more. But there's more to... I, I feel like... There's more to that, the regional and rural areas. Yeah, and as much as I love... Sort of stereotype. I mean, gosh, I love Charlie and Boots with um, Shane Jacobson, who mm. also plays <laughs> Penny. Like, I love that and Paul Hogan. Mm. Um, and I love Red Dog. And movies like that, I think that presents a very different view to what I knew growing up. Exactly. We don't live in the Australian outback, everybody. We actually live in a city. Yeah, I I think (laughs) that's the thing. Like, a place like Rockhampton, um, obviously, a lot of it is built on our agriculture. Yeah. And, you know, both my parents came. Well, exactly. We are the beef capital. Yeah, we we are the beef capital (laughs) of Australia. Um, Come visit us for Beef Australia 2018. Um, But, like, even though my parents both grew up on farms in other very, very remote places mm. in Australia, um, and I was always aware of and knew about farming from their perspective, I don't, I don't know, like, if I get put on one of our rural products, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like, yeah. I picked up some of the lingo now, but, yeah. like, it's not like we're, like, okay, yes, we do have cattle trucks that do come through the city, which yeah. is probably a bit unusual compared to some places. Actually, that's... and you know we we do have some unusual things in that aspect but Mm. we're not out in the country every day it is is the assumption when you say you grew up in people say oh you grew up on the land yeah I didn't either yeah there's two very different worlds and they collide a lot and they mix a lot but like the closest I get is like going on a job at a property or going to the Great Western Hotel yeah which is, it, which is an icon for people like, oh, for people who don't know, most people wouldn't know, but the Great Western Hotel has a bull riding ring inside the pub, 
It's a very it's fantastic. It's such an iconic part of Rocky's mm-hmm. history, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the closest I got there was watching a Lee Kernigan concert when I was little, yeah. because you know we all love country sounds and country yeah. music. And Lee Kernigan used to own the Great Western, so for a short time. I've, I've got a picture with Lee. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I saw that on Instagram when he was here last. Yeah, I love Lee Kernigan. Yeah, Lee's great. Lee's great. Um, I met him at Beef Australia last. Last time we went to start a recording here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, and, and I, I think that there's a lot of, um, as my publisher calls them, rural, rural romances. Yeah, so, there know, seems to be a real thing happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's incredibly popular, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of best-selling authors in the rural um, category. But, uh, yeah, we, we were really keen to, to go regional. Mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, capture regional Australia. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's... It's different to being in a city. Do okay. Let's have a whinge for a moment. What do you miss out on living in a regional area? Apart from the fact that if I want to go see a concert, of which I'm seeing about five this year, I also have to factor in flights and accommodation. Yeah. And I mean, from a regional area, flights are ridiculous. But what else do we miss out on? Oh well, I think? think I think just um, an, an obvious thing is that you know we might have like a, a festival and. and be exposed to cultural events maybe a couple of times a month, whereas in somewhere like Sydney, um, you could have a dozen things on that weekend yeah. um, that you would like to go to. But a, fr- a friend of mine made an in- interesting observation in that um, we were up in Darwin recently, and she said to me, she lives in Sydney now, she used to live in Darwin, she said, what I've found is that living in Darwin there might not have been that much on, but what was on was always great quality and I could get to it mm. easily. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Sydney, there's so much on, uh, um, and yet it's so hard to actually get to. I really have to plan to the nth degree. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, it's a compromise yeah. as to... So yeah, that's a really good point. On the project list, let's talk about affordability. At least you can buy a house in Rockhampton. Yeah, <laughs> without yeah. being a millionaire. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. It takes me less than 10 minutes to get, the, get to work, and that's across the river. Yeah. yeah, which is also, like, that's a good and a bad thing, because I would like more time to listen to podcasts, and if I was in a city, I wouldn't be driving. Like, I'd like to be a bit more eco-friendly, yeah. but public transport is not that great. No, I suppose that's a con. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, public transport is really have to drive, even though it doesn't take very long to get anywhere, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I do feel it bad, but as everyone, all my friends know, I drive a hybrid, so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm helping out a little yeah. bit. You are doing <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like I know if I had the option of easy public transport, like I just can't get over when I go to somewhere like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Oh, not that I've been to Melbourne so much, but yeah. Sydney, I'm familiar with their public transport. It's amazing. The thing that gets me... Double-decker trains in Sydney. Yeah. What the hell? The thing that gets me <laughs> is that they're so often. So, like, I used to get the bus sometimes to uni in my first year of uni. Oh, did yeah. you? Oh. I would, like, walk... Well, just... Did you get the bus up outside my house? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Look, like... You know, so I used to get the bus to uni sometimes. But, you know, you have to go. They only come, like, every hour. Yeah, they're very, very So, like, the thing that really keeps me, just because I'm, like, used to it, is, like, when you go to a city like that. And, like, you know, maybe it's the train to the Mm. city from Brisbane Airport. There's one of them, like, every ten minutes. I'm probably (laughs) right. But (laughs) half an hour at least. 
Oh. And in most places, maybe not from the airport, but most places there's multiple. You, if you miss one bus, there's usually another way you can get there. Yeah. But, yeah, they're still coming every half an hour at yeah. the most. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's so, it's so different. Yeah. Um, and I think another stereotype that I get apart from the mm. whole, like, you must be an actual, like, farm person, mm. which, you know, a lot of people that I went to school with, that's the other thing, I, I went to school with a lot of people who were from properties who boarded, but I, I didn't, like, have any idea about rural areas yeah. and stuff yeah. like that and actually being on, on the farm, on, on the land, sorry, yeah. on a farm, on the land. Um, so I think the assumption, too, is, yeah, that you just don't have as much um, opportunity hmm. for things, which I probably used to think as well until I started working as a reporter and realised how much does go on hmm. in the town. And we, we actually, like, Rockhampton's really lucky compared to some places to have so many good school options. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's because of our position in central Queensland. There are a lot of good boarding schools just because of where we yeah. are, and a lot of people are, are boarding yeah. from properties. Um, and we're also really lucky to have a university campus here, which a lot of places don't have. Mm. Um, and we're incredibly lucky to have the performing arts mm. scene that we do. Mm-hmm. We have an Estesford and a dance festival, yeah. and <laughs> I've reported on both, and they are massive. The performing arts yeah, community in Rockhampton is Huge. I remember um, uh, judges and, and visiting adjudicators because they'd get up for those assessments because I was always in the assessments from when I was a little tucker in the drama. Um, Can I just say a little bit? You said little tucker. My dad says that. And <laughs> like, I think, I don't know whether that's just an Australian thing or like, I just love it. <laughs> well, yeah, don't worry. The is full of it. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, and, and the visiting adjudicators always have made the comment that the quality of the entrance and the competition in Rockhampton would, would be astounding, would, would yeah. blow them away. And these were people coming up from, you know, Brizzy and Newcastle, like big, big centres, mm. but really commenting on the calibre yeah. of talent and, and quality of, of, um, of the performing arts scene. Yeah, and we um, do have a really good quality. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, I mean, everyone here loves it, and lots of people are very involved. We have, we have multiple... You know, very good quality, still amateur productions, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But we yeah. have great we have professional people directing them. Yeah, yeah. So no, and professional shows. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people do move on from Rocky and work in you know professional musical theatre and performing arts sort of areas in you know all our bigger cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the rest of the country. <laughs> um, so moving on from like just regional life in general, what's some media, either good or bad, that you watched or read or seen um, that's kind of represented rural life or regional life? Mm. Actually, one I thought of for this that I think did a pretty good job was um, Doctor Doctor. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Doctor Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that show was obviously, you know, it's like the guy who like grew up in this small town or whatever and because he was like, he's a surgeon and you know, due to some mistakes and bad choices on his behalf, yeah. he's, you know, like, fired, basically, and mm. he just doesn't really, like, tell his family and says that he's going to work in the regional town <laughs> for a year, be back home for a little bit, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, everyone in the whole town knows each other, his yeah. mum is, like, the mayor or something like that, mm-hmm. and, I mean, 
it did represent obviously a, like a quite a smaller regional yeah. town, but she did such a great job. Like the relationships now, like everyone knew each other, yeah. and like his high school girlfriend was married to his brother, and like <laughs> you know things like that. It was so good. That's Which great. I always thought Rocky was too big for that, like I said before. But I'm discovering more and more now that it's really not. It's really no. It's mm-hmm. not. And um, I think. Oh gosh, I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, we're not in a class daughters here. We're not like. Yeah. All on the land, yeah. <laughs> like riding horses. I think I went horse riding lessons once because I wanted to be like the girls in the saddle club. But yes, yeah, not really. Yeah. Like, not yeah. really. It's not really a thing. What about you, Anna? Well, I have to confess that one of my all-time favourite movies, um, which represents regional Australia, is Muriel's Wedding. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
unique thing um, for regional Australia would have to be the absolutely iconic Blue Heelers. Oh, Blue Heelers, yeah. And, I mean, I was also... I think you see the theme here of me being obsessed with a lot of different things. Um, I was obsessed with Blue Heelers. I own all the DVDs. Oh, I've watched all of them multiple times. Like, I know lines off by heart, <laughs> and I just love them so much. And, obviously, it had the crime rate of, like, London or New York in this little, little town. town. But it was the same thing. Like, everything not revolves around the pub in a bad way, but, you know, the pub is a place you go, you talk to people, and yeah. the publican knows everything that's yeah. going on. And there are, there are places like that in Rocky, too, yeah. where you go and have a chat to, to someone mm. and they, they know what's happening. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I often talk to the local councillors mm. in my role, and, and that's the same thing. They just know everything that's happening. They know certain people, and they just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It really is. It really is great. But yeah, I love I love Blue Heels, and I'm probably overdue for a for a rewatch. For a piece, a <laughs> I loved piece. it. I loved it so much. Yeah. Every time I hear that theme song, too, yeah. I just I'm struggling there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it so much, and I used to watch it with my dad, and we yeah. watched the entire series together over oh, a number of years as each of the DVDs came out. I just because I was too young to watch it when it was actually on TV. <laughs> so I think it started the year I was born. So yeah. I can never watch Blue Heels. I don't think you'd like it. No. It's brilliant, though. I agree <laughs> with you, but, yeah, I don't think I, I know, it's not your thing. I mean, you don't even like crime shows that much no. anyway, so. Not that much, no. <laughs> um, what about books? Have you got any books that... Oh, you know, so books. There's this um, classic coming-of-age story called Maestro, and it's by an Aussie author called Peter Goldsworthy, and it's a lovely, lovely book. It's set in Darwin. Um, which I account as regional Australia, yeah. even though it is the capital of the Northern Territory. Yeah, um, I think but it's not, it's it's not huge, is it? Like it's the population wise. It's only yeah, about 120,000 in Darwin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and there's a lovely, I've printed out a little bit about it because there's a lovely sense of place. Mm. Um, have either of you been to Darwin? Yes, I have been. I yeah. was, I, I was a bit sick, and, but it was so sweltering hot. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, because it, it was right during, like, the wet season. And, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll read you a little synopsis yes. about it for <laughs> anyone who hasn't heard of Maestro. Um, against the backdrop of Darwin, that small tropical hothouse of a port, half outback, half oriental, lying at the tip of northern Australia, a young and newly arrived southerner encounters the Maestro, a Viennese refugee with a shadowed past. The occasion is a piano lesson. The first of many, and um, so it's just, it's it's a really lovely story, and um, as I said, just an amazing sense of place. So anyone who knows Darwin will know that um, you know it's like a lush tropical wonderland up there. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is what Peter says in in uh, Maestro: even our garden lawn, most domesticated of foliage, needed mowing again almost as soon as it was done, like <laughs> some lush green five o'clock shadow. So, um, yeah, a it's a great turn of phrase. And, and, you know, um, I think one of the great things about bookstelling regional um, Australia is that you immediately get that sense of setting, mm-hmm. of place. Yeah. And um, and you'll get that in Maestro yeah. in Darwin. Um, actually, my recommendations are the same. They stuck with me because you can almost, you can take mm. the dust. Yeah. And um, the writer who does that, most well for me, and I should have written down mm. some more titles because I'm already forgetting some of the ones I, yeah. I mentioned. 
But um, the writer who does that best for me is Vicky Wakefield. Mm-hmm. She's a young adult author, but I mean, I think she's one of Australia's best writers. Right. Anyway, um, so uh, the first book that I read from her was Friday Brown, mm-hmm. and that is set both in the city and then out in a rural area. Yeah. And she just, it's perfect. It's so, it comes to life before your eyes. And like yeah. I said, you can just, you can taste mm. the dust. You can, you can feel the heat. And yeah. it just is so wonderful. It's such a sad book. <laughs> yeah. um, and then her, her third novel, In Between Days, is that same sort of thing. Mm. Only this time set in a more, not as much of an isolated, like I would say the first book is a remote setting. Yeah. And then this is more of a rural, it's a small town. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Um, but you could feel that the sense of isolation, but it, it was a bit more of a town than the other one. And then um, she's got a new book out now called Ballad for a Mad Girl, which I haven't yet read. Right. Um, but I'm hearing really good things about it. She's just so good at, yeah. at capturing that, that sense of place. Excellent. Yeah, which is, which is so good. And then the other one, um, which I just recently finished, is Remind Me How This Ends by Gabrielle Tozer, which Caitlin lent me. Yeah. So I don't know if I was, you, actually, we, we did, mention that one we did well. talk a little bit about this in another episode, um, yeah. but I'd like to expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, I'd actually thought of that as well because... Um, Remind Me How This Ends is set in a regional town. I think it's just outside. Oh, yeah, it's just outside Canberra. So yeah, it's in New Wales. She mm-hmm. says at one point they're driving, like, it's a couple of hours from Canberra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but basically, like, the story is, you know, like, it's, it centres around Milo, the main character, and his girlfriend and all of his friends have just gone to uni right. in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, it's like, still in the regional town and he's, like, figuring out what he's going to do and that kind of thing. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's like the story surrounds, you know, him reconnecting with, like, another childhood friend. And what I thought, one thing that I thought was, like, so relatable was that, like, he worked in, you know, like, he worked in his parents' bookshop or something, and he was, like, on, like, the street with all the shops. Mm. And, like, the only thing to do, like, that they would do would be, like, to go get ice cream. Mm. And it's, like... Or go down the river or something. Yeah, or, like, go down the river. It's, like, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. that's all you've got. Like, we're lucky. Rocky isn't like that. But where yeah. my mum lives, there's only about 3,000 people. Mm. And it's definitely the same thing. You've got the bustling main street. Yeah. And outside of that, not not very mm. much. Like, we're so exactly. lucky in Rocky. Like, we are lucky to have more here. But come on, Michelle. How often do we go, oh, we should do something. Yeah, let's go get ice cream. I think like, that's just because we're fatty. So. No. <laughs> 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 I mean, we don't love ice cream, but we did recently just get a gelatissimo and we were really excited by a new ice cream shop. So, yeah. 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 But um, we're really lucky. We have the cinema. We have yeah. libraries. We have, like, a lot of, like, where my mum lives. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like, we have, yeah. and we have yeah. another group, but we have two now. Northside has been completely um, oh, redone and they're opening up a bunch of um, new slides there. Yeah. Which replaces what was like the mecca when I was about oh, ten. Rockpool Water Park, slide, yeah. mini golf, everything. Yeah. Um, I had my birthday then. Yeah, <laughs> I think it got closed down because um, there's some safety issues. Um, but it is yeah. um, going to have slides pretty soon. I think before the end of the year they're going to have oh. slides there again. Oh, so good. yeah, there's so much. Like the council yeah. really do a lot of, and I see this as over the court. Yeah, at all, but. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. To get people, like, to get stuff going. 
actually. Yeah. All our parks and gardens um, just recently did the council budget, um, and there's so much money going into our parks and gardens mm. to make them more exciting places for people to visit. Yeah. It's really I cool. love the botanical. Yeah, they are so beautiful. They are so beautiful, and we have um, the riverbank redevelopment going on, um, really transforming um, our our riverfront area into a a showpiece. Yeah, Yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, because before it was just yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a mess, bit run down, neglect. Well, not neglected, but it did look unloved. Showcase the beauty. Yeah. yeah, and now we showcase that and the heritage building. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, oh, there are so many beautiful oh, heritage it's buildings. Oh, gorgeous. It's amazing, those buildings on Fleet Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's so funny that you mentioned like, the wide streets in mm. Rocky because you don't get, you don't really appreciate that until you leave mm. and you're driving somewhere else. Like, for people to get an idea, we have like your normal street size plus reverse angle parking on oh, either side yeah. of the street. Mm. So it's almost like a double mm. double street with and then trees lining a lot of those older parts of Rocky. Um I just love coming alleys. down, you know, um Upper Dawson Road. Yeah. And then coming down the range there. Yeah. And you see you beautiful. beautiful. You see the sun setting and um and it's so wide those streets. And it's rarely yeah. there's another car really on the Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so wide. It's going to be so good. But, I mean, reverse angle parking is a bit of a killer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, was, that was a tough one. That's one which I actually don't think is a skill you need in any other place but Rocky. Reverse <laughs> <laughs> angle parking on that street. Tenworth. Really? <laughs> Another regional town. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reminds me of Rocky a lot. I did a story there. Yeah. I did a story there. Gold and Yeah, Gold yeah. and Guitar. Yes, anyway, the Tenworth man just knows. Straight in, and there's clearly a sign saying reverse oh, parking. Sometimes people do that out the front of the building that we're recording in, which is my office, um, <laughs> because we thought that my room was probably not a suitable place for a guest, <laughs> and that's where Caitlin and I usually record. But sometimes people do that, and it's our biggest pet peeve. Like, <gasps> why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Reverse I don't know. angle. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, get a bit of a yeah, yeah, but I mean, honestly, if you want to step back into traffic, that's just silly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 that's just, <laughs> doesn't make sense. Um, so when you were kind of growing up in a regional area, um, how did the media you were consuming influence your opinion of the area or just of regional areas in general? You know what the first thing I just thought of <laughs> is that when I was growing up, um, like my favourite books from when I was a kid was like Amy Blyton and Millie Molly Mandy and all yep. those stories, which are obviously set a long time ago, but the country is in country England towns, and yeah. that was like the representation. <clears throat> that was the representation that I had. Yeah. Which I guess you know I knew when I sort of took that on and everything as like a small town because I mean you know they would go around the corner and like know the lady around the corner, and I guess you know it's the same thing. It just wasn't here. Mm. And obviously it was like in the, you know, early 1900s. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny though, I think like when I was growing up in Rocky, I never really had a sense that I was in a real, like in a small country town. It was was only really when I moved to Brisbane and when I was 18, 17, that people people would say to me, oh, so you're from the country. And, And I'd say, no. 
I can't believe that you can't believe that. Jasper Jones. Oh my goodness! Uh, okay. Thank you, Caitlin. Like I've heard it, and now I'm just trying to. Well, here we go. It 
thankfully I haven't done that. You've got Waking Fry tells the story of John Grant, a young school teacher who is uh, marooned in the small outback mining town of Bundanyaba, a fictional outback town. So um, that sounds pretty cool. Sounds so familiar to yeah. me. Yes. So it's... Um, just thought of another one. Throwing through my good reads. Just a sec. Yeah, and then I've got two more for you. Dirt Music by Tim Winton, A Town Like Alice by Neville Shute, and um, of course, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which yes. is also being remade in the TV. Oh, wow. Scary. I actually have one which also is, I believe, from Alan and Onwin. Right. Um, and that is um, Ellie Marnie's brilliant um, Every Move. So that was the third book in her trilogy which is like a Sherlock Holmes-inspired trilogy. And um, Rachel, the she's like the Watson character, I guess, yeah. um, had moved to Melbourne from um, small town Victoria. Mm-hmm. So the first book is set in Melbourne, very great sense of place there. Um, and then they're in London for the second one, right. and then the third one is back in Rachel's old hometown. Um, <laughs> so the other book... Um, is called All Fall Down by Cassandra Austin, mm-hmm. and that is in a remote place where the, a bridge has collapsed and it kind of cuts the town in two. Right. And oh. there's a lot of mis- mystery and myths surrounding this bridge, but the setting too was so evocative of small town um, Australia. Yeah, a smaller town, I guess, if the town kind of gets split. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. I think I think what we can take away from our discussion is that there isn't enough representation of regional areas that aren't, yeah. I think from what we've spoken about, it's either really little or metropolitan. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or rural, rural, outback, yeah. yeah, so yeah. there needs to be something in the middle. Yeah. Because that's, where we're, that's exactly. where we're from and we demand we're representation. <laughs> oh, we really are in the middle. Like everything, yeah. you know, that we, really everything that we came up with, we're like, oh, actually... Small that's town. like a really yeah. small town where there's only like 20 people. Yeah. yeah. Guess what? I don't even know what that population is here, Michelle. Um, <laughs> I think the last census, just the Rockhampton state electorate, so that's just like the city area, um, is about 58,000, but we have a lot of people in the outlying areas that we would count in the region Yeah. as well. I think we're probably closer to 80 or 90,000. The whole region. Yeah. yeah. 30 people in yeah. one street town. So we're good. <laughs> anyway... Before we go, just play a little little game. Um, instead of Would You Rather this week, um, we found a new fun little game to play, and it's called Don't Get Me Started. And our topic this week on Don't Get Me Started is quite appropriate because it's the Americanization, Americanization with an S, not a Z, <laughs> of the books, or other books, but of the in particular, because it's something Caitlin and I were talking about the other night, and I thought, why not talk about this? Yeah. And also posted on Twitter about all the, the words he's been told were too Australian for his American book. What do you think, Anna? Well, look, if my book gets printed in America, and I should actually mention before I forget, <laughs> I'm on a quest to get my book, Girl in Between, to share. Slash share. However, to pronounce this pop goddess's name, <laughs> I'm fine with it. Because it turns if you're out, listening, it, oh, let yeah. us know. God. Like, actually, let us know because that would be yeah. pretty cool. Well, <laughs> and also, if you're listening, keep listening because 
We really need everyone to get on board with this campaign. <laughs> we really need everyone to get on board with this campaign, Kate Caitlin, because I've got a hashtag, hashtag share the love. Share the love, everybody. <laughs> share the love. And um, anyway, I, I think I'm about three steps from share because, look, I'm going to try and condense this for you, but my publisher, Louise, her neighbour, Mary, Mary's husband was a band member in very prominent band. That band was managed by Roger Davies. Roger Davies manages Sher. Sure. <sighs> so so close. Okay. I'm so sorry. If everyone's still with me, uh, that means we are pretty darn close. <laughs> we all just hold our breath and cross our fingers because my theory is if Cher slash Sher takes a picture of girl in between, um, you know, we are going to get Rocky to the States. You know, Rocky's going worldwide. If Cher's sure, sure, <laughs> getting involved. And, you know, people from America have told me before when they've been here, I don't know why they were here, um, but people from America have said this is very much like Texas. So <laughs> if you're from Texas, apparently Rocky's Tell very similar. Time. Come visit us. I need to write that down. So <laughs> to get back to your original question, Michelle. Yeah, how would you feel if you were asked to take the Australian-ness and, like, I'm not, I'm not saying Bogan's a bad thing here, yeah, yeah, but Bogan, yeah. small-town elements that, yeah. you know, I like to embrace. Yeah. Um, I'll well, other middle Brogan. I really think you kind of mix the Yeah. Well, do you think you could take the fun out of your book? It's very, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting, um, Caitlin, because Girl Between is very Aussie, as I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Very regional, very, you know, heavily on our slang, our humour. Um, and yet, the Germans love it. So the rights mm-hmm. to my book have been sold into Germany. Which is really, really cool. And something that I really was surprised at at first, I must confess, because I thought, how do they get it? But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, they do. And so if if it was to be translated into, not translated into America, if it was to be published. Well, I mean, they basically want to Well, they certainly do. Yeah. If it were to be published in America, um, I would hope that it would retain its, its essence of Aussiness because mm. I see that as its unique selling point. However, you know, let's be honest, like if they took a few liberties and it meant I was getting published, <laughs> you'd be America, okay with it. I'd be okay with it. I think it's a uniquely US thing, and I've said this online too. Um, it's, it's a very, from, from the Americans that I've spoken to, which, you know, isn't actually that many, um, there's a very domestic focus. And yeah. I feel like in Australia, maybe because of our position in the world and our isolation in a sense, we're always looking outward. We have domestic news, but we have a big focus on international. Yes. And I, I know from the people I've spoken to, that's lacking in America. Mm. Um, and it makes me kind of angry that, especially in an internet age where everything is so easily easy to look up, um, our books are flooded with American... Uh, sorry, our book market is flooded with American books, yet we can't have ours go over there without being substantially changed. It's almost yeah. like they're... Like, yeah. Come on, people, just Google it. If you yeah, don't be too lazy Everyone to Google to like different words for things. Like, just be, like, we have, yeah. you know, hmm. my favourite. I mean, if you can read a BuzzFeed article on Australian words, you can understand an Australian book. Exactly. And it's not, yeah. it's not a rocket science. It's not that hard. Really on a bigger issue, I was doing research for, um, I'm doing my master's at the moment, and one of my, my last essay topic was multiculturalism in Australian children's literature. Right. And I was doing some research, and it didn't include this because it wasn't Australian, but 
um, one of the papers I looked at talked about how, um, I guess, cultural things are often taken out of American books as well to fit in with the market. But I'm like, then it's time to change the market. We need yeah. to and stop catering yeah. to and, and taking things out because we don't think people will like it because they're never going to get a chance to like yeah, it yeah, yeah. if we don't include those. Yeah. So even though taking out words like Hobo mm. or um, give me some other Aussie words. I can't think of any. Avo. Sanger. Um, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so we, should do, we should link that video on our show. The one that's the Australian. Yeah. That just has like, we shorten everything. So Bodlo. Yeah. That's another great Bodlo, one. Bodlo, yeah. I was listening to another podcast today and it's British and of course they call it the off license. And yeah. I was like, it's so funny. In Australia, that's the Bodlo. Yeah. So like, if, if we take those things out, I guess it's a small thing, but it's representative of a bigger problem yeah. where cultural things yeah. are taken out. So that really, really annoys me. Yeah. 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 Well, it annoys me because, like, when we consume all of this American media, like TV shows, movies, and everything, mm. you know, we have to understand it. Yeah, exactly. We have to understand it. Why we have to understand, understand what freshmen and Junior and I mean we have seniors here, yeah. but I mean this whole freshman sophomore thing. Yeah. I knew what that was in high school. I didn't use that here. Yeah, no, it took me so long to figure out which was which actually. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like well, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much. I guess like when you're watching a movie. There yeah. was another one you told me. What do Americans call coriander? Cilantro. Ah uh, yeah, see, oh, that's just a different language. That is or eggplant versus aubergine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining in. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.